It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. Most bizarre story of the day. And I may be a little bit more interested in this because it was just last Sunday that I was anchoring the landing of Richard Branson and his uh, Atlantic Galactic spaceship and all the uh, surrounding hype about a new era of space tourism and all that. And it was pretty exciting, as I've talked about on the podcast. Well, we're just a couple of days away now from Jeff Bezos uh, and his Blue Origin rocket uh, doing its thing, except that unlike uh, Branson, who had pilots on board, this is fully automatic. But the most interesting thing is this. Bezos has picked an 18-year-old Dutch student uh, to fill the final seat. It turns out the kid is the son of some CEO of an investment firm. So, okay, that in and of itself is interesting. You know, a guy who's basically just a teenager. The fascinating part is there was an auction for the seats on the Blue Origin rocket. And there was a winner. They never announced his or her name. But the winner bid $28 million for the privilege, for the thrill, of taking this short suborbital flight. And now this person says, you know what, I have a scheduling conflict. Okay, if you were spending $28 million for this once-in-a-lifetime experience, and then it's like, sorry, I couldn't make it, I got to go see my therapist, or what? Are you kidding me? I think the scheduling conflict is, uh, I'm diagnosing it this way, cold feet. I think this person is backing out. Uh, either decided, all right, I have other things I want to do with the 28 mil, or, you know, faced with the prospect of there obviously is some risk uh, to this flight, saying, well, maybe I'm going to let a few people go before I try to do this. So that's how the 18-year-old kid got uh, onto the flight, which is an interesting subplot in and of itself. Hey, it's Friday. Hope you have a good weekend plan. We are making the final changes for Media Buzz Sunday morning, 11 Eastern. Hope you'll uh, catch it on Fox. We might even get the whole show in because Bezos is not blasting up on Sunday. Uh, I believe it's early in the week. You've been watching the NBA Finals. Um, Milwaukee Bucks uh, evening the series at two games apiece over the Phoenix Suns. After the first two games in Phoenix, it looked like the Suns were going to run away with it. You know, home field, home court advantage is a very big deal in any sport, but I think particularly in the NBA Finals. The ratings uh, are, are up for this game from what it had been previously, averaging over 10 million viewers for the first time uh, since 2019, up 36% over the comparable game in the finals last year. Well, I mean, that's a specious comparison because last year we're in the middle of the pandemic. You had that weird shortened season inside the bubble in Florida. Uh, and I think a lot of interest dropped off. Uh, so now this seems like a more traditional final, but also the reason the ratings are up is it seems like we have a competitive series now, two to two. If it was going to be a blowout for Phoenix and nobody outside of Arizona was going to get that excited about it. Also, I think it's harder because you don't have, uh, neither of these teams is a big market team, not that Phoenix is in a big and much, uh, metropolitan area and Milwaukee, but you don't have New York versus LA or Boston versus somebody else. Anyway. I love basketball. Uh, I've been watching, except, you know, for us East Coast viewers, the games start too late. You know, they start at 9 Eastern, and it means you're often up until almost midnight. Since this is taking place in the summer, I think kids can stay up later. But ordinarily, they're in late spring, and kids have school, and I just think it's a mistake to do it that way. All right. Uh, let, a lot of COVID stuff to go over today, and a big battle brewing over the vaccination program. So... If you've turned on the TV in the last 24 hours, you have seen 
the Surgeon General of the United States, Vivek Murthy. I mean, he's been everywhere. Uh, and he is going around making the case uh, that the problem with the vaccination program, which, as you know, has seriously stalled, uh, where now they're down to vaccinating maybe half a million people a day, down from a peak of three million. And it just seems like there's a pretty solid, determined, hardcore of people who you might say are vaccine hesitant, but really are, looks like vaccine hostile to me at this point. So now the new tack of the Biden administration is to blame misinformation about the vaccine. So that's Murthy's message as he makes the television rounds. Um, He declared that misinformation is an urgent threat to public health. Um, And that is after people in his office uh, met with folks at Twitter, according to a source uh, speaking to the New York Times. You know, it's funny. Surgeon generals usually put out these statements. Uh, For example, the famous 1964 Surgeon General's warning against smoking, which at the time was a controversial step. And you look at it in retrospect, it's like, what took so long? Because smoking kills people. We all know that. People weren't as certain of that then. And it took the Surgeon General uh, to, I think, concentrate public opinion on just how deadly tobacco use is. So usually it's tobacco use or opioid addiction or suicide prevention and so forth. But this 22-page report that Murthy's office has put out has what the New York Times describes as a more political context. And the New York Times now every day mentions Fox News. Oh, Fox News is stopping people from getting the vaccine. Well, that's not true. If you want to disagree with certain Fox News hosts, that's fine. But there's a whole lot of people at Fox News, including me, who think that it is a very, very important thing that people get the vaccine. But at the same time, I have to say, it is an individual decision. You do have to weigh whatever risks there are. I don't understand why there is so much hesitancy or hostility toward these life-saving vaccines, but I don't think the government can force people to get it. We'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, Here's more from the Surgeon General. Modern technology companies have enabled misinformation to poison our information environment with little accountability to their users. So basically what you have is, the Biden administration, in its view, has tried everything. It had Olivia Rodrigo come over to the White House to try to uh, get young people interested. Uh, they've done PSAs with celebrities. They now have this door-to-door program, which has sparked a lot of backlash, even though they're saying we should use, what do they call it, trusted messengers at the local level of people like doctors and uh, faith leaders and so forth. Um, but clearly, most of this is not working and is not working very well. So now you have the attack on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We expect more from our technology companies, Murtha says. We're asking them to operate with greater transparency and accountability. We're asking them to monitor misinformation more closely. So they're on defense, and according to this story, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all saying yesterday, oh, you know, we're doing our best. We are taking new steps to crack down on misleading health information. All these companies, these big tech companies, say they are introducing features to point users to authoritative health sources on their platforms. Here is a spokeswoman for Facebook. We permanently ban pages, groups, and accounts that repeatedly break our rules on COVID misinfo. And this includes more than a dozen pages, groups, and accounts from some of the individuals referenced in the press briefing today. In other words, don't blame us. Twitter said it agrees with Dr. Murthy and welcomes the partnership. Uh, And so... 
clearly, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there and, and, and the social media giants have a role to play. But at the same time, remember, it was only a few weeks ago that Facebook was banning, as in not allowing, as in deleting, as in taking down anybody who wanted to post something saying, you know what, I think there's some credibility to the theory, still not proven, that COVID-19 originated in that lab in Wuhan. That was absolutely censored by Facebook. And now it's allowed because the Biden administration is taking it more seriously because uh, newspapers have dug up some information that makes it seem more plausible and all of that. As the Times puts it, calling out tech and media companies is tricky business. And the White House has danced around the question of whether it would try to regulate companies like Facebook that have become platforms for health disinformation. Uh, Jen Psaki kind of sidestepped that question. The White House press secretary saying, obviously, decisions to regulate or hold to account any platform would be a policy decision. In the interim, we're going to continue to call out disinformation. But there's another soundbite that she gave to reporters that has become a kind of a lightning rod now for people on the right who don't like big tech and see collusion with the Biden administration. It was during, actually just during yesterday's press briefing that Jen Psaki said, we're flagging problematic posts for Facebook that spread disinformation. Well, is that amount to collusion, cooperation? Now, maybe some of this turns on semantics. I don't have any problem just as any network or newspaper or even private citizen can say, hey, I saw this on Facebook, this group, they're lying, it's complete BS and so forth and asked that it be taken down, doesn't mean Facebook has to do it, but it kind of sounded like a cozy relationship. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook. If Facebook, if Mark Zuckerberg is seen in the position of carrying the administration's water on this, it's not good for his company, and it's not good for the Biden White House. Because where is the line? You know, I'd like to see the examples of misinformation, disinformation are being taken down. Where is the line between Complete and total, you know, here's a quack cure for the virus kind of thing that everybody would agree should not be spread on social media. And uh, somebody who says, you know, you ought to be hesitant about the vaccine for this reason. There are side effects. We really want to give it to kids. In other words, the normal realm of political debate that the White House may not like. And so conservatives already distrustful of Facebook and Twitter are really reacting uh, to Jen Psaki's comments. Um, as uh, we see here in National Review, which has a piece calling this out, saying, you know, what you already know, growing anger among conservatives that um, the Silicon Valley giants uh, suppress content they don't like. And then, you know, you bring up the other examples, whether it was the New York Post story on Hunter Biden's laptop, and why, since Donald Trump is not allowed to tweet or post on Facebook, uh, is Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei, uh, still able to use the platform to incite violence? That's one of the questions, questions raised in the National Review piece. Um, what has been holding back conservatives from fully embracing ideas such as blowing up Section 230 liability protections, that basically means taking away their legal immunity from lawsuits for what's posted on their platforms, is that they are internally divided. The issue has pit MAGA-friendly conservatives who are eager to wield government power to get the outcomes they want, and traditional small government conservatives who are reticent to target private companies making decisions about how they run their businesses. 
But Saki's comments add a new layer to debate, says National Review. Even if it may not matter legally, if Facebook is colluding with the government to suppress speech, it becomes much harder rhetorically to hide behind the old, oh, we're a private company defense. Uh, And I think that's a fair point. And I think um, that's why the debate has kind of heated up. Don't go anywhere. More BuzzMeter coming your way in just a moment. Meanwhile, uh, Bloomberg has a story about emojis being used for online racism. It's like there's nothing sacred, you know, if you use those, you know, happy face or any of that stuff. This stems from the situation when England lost the shootout in the final game uh, of the soccer tournament. Uh, and the in that, the, that shootout, uh, a couple of the players who missed the crucial kicks were black. They got a lot of abuse, revealing a disturbing degree of racism in British society. And some of them were using these emojis on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram like monkeys and bananas. This is horrible, shameful stuff to take shots at these players. Uh, And so now um, one of the players, whose last name was Saka, posted a statement to thank Twitter fans for support, but to call out these tech companies for failing to to curb abuse. I don't want any child or adult to receive the hateful and hurtful messages that me and his two teammates have received this week. I knew instantly the kind of hate that I was about to receive, and that is a sad reality that your powerful platforms are not doing enough to stop these messages. Now, what can the Biden administration do at this point? I mean, this is a really important question because It seems like they've tried a whole bunch of things, and the states have tried a whole bunch of things, and the governor have tried a whole bunch of things. There's free uh, baseball tickets, and free beer, and free lottery tickets, and free weed, and, and, and free this, and free that, uh, and free donuts, you know, just to entice you to come down and get the shot. And look, some of this makes sense in terms of mobile vans and outreach. If you uh, are trying to go, go into communities, and somebody maybe kind of want to get the vaccine, but they're busy, they work odd hours, they don't have transportation, and you can bring it to them, I think that's fine. But clearly, a lot of this has gotten tied up in politics. So the Atlantic, from a liberal point of view, um, has a fairly critical piece saying Biden's not doing enough. I don't want to wrestle with that. You might think that in his quest to quell the coronavirus, President Biden would be willing to try anything. But there are indeed some things he won't try. And according to The Atlantic, Biden's vaccination drive has the feel of a political campaign that's targeting the persuadable middle. When what's really needed, in this author's view, is a novel way to reach the profoundly irrational. Now, okay, I stay away from that kind of rhetoric. Is it irrational? I mean, I don't agree with it. But is it rational? Is it crazy? Are people just dumb if they don't get the vaccine? I think that kind of condescending talk undermines exactly what The Atlantic is trying to accomplish. But anyway, that's the language the magazine is using. The president is using many of the same tools he employed in 2020. Celebrity endorsements, door-to-door contacts, TV ads, and the bully pulpit. That's true. That's what any president would do. Nearly one-third of the adult population hasn't gotten a single dose of a COVID vaccine at a time that this more contagious Delta variant is sweeping the nation. 
Now, the Delta variant isn't necessarily more deadly if you get it, but it does seem to spread more easily, and that's, of course, the way these variants work. They're always trying to find a way to get around the body's defenses. So one-third of Americans haven't even gotten a single shot. So this is not some tiny core group. And we're talking about if you can't make progress with that one-third, then the country won't uh, reach herd immunity, which looks increasingly unlikely. And that means that these variants may surge back. And as I've mentioned uh, on previous podcasts, the number of new cases, while they sound small compared to the craziness of 200,000 or 250,000 a day that we had at the peak of the pandemic, you know, they're up. They're doubled. They've more than doubled in a lot of states. And mostly, you know, you can tie this. The states with the highest vaccination rates have the smallest increase, although now it seems to be going up in virtually every state. The states with the uh, lowest vaccination rates have the greatest increase. So let's drill down on this. Polling shows that black and Hispanic adults are more likely than white adults to pass up the vaccine because they're afraid of missing work. Okay, that's not irrational to use the Atlantic's earlier word. A disproportionate share, this is according to polling, of Republicans, white evangelical Christians, and rural residents, uh, you know, which is basically a good part of Donald Trump's base, say they won't ever get vaccinated. Nearly half of Republican adults uh, who don't want the shots say distrust of government is a major reason. A quarter of unvaccinated Democrats uh, mentioned that. Uh, And as the magazine puts it, Trump supporters aren't listening to Biden. They don't care what he says. But the president can't ignore them. So here's a quote from Jerome Adams. He was the Surgeon General during the Donald Trump administration. And he tells The Atlantic, you can win an election with 51% of the vote, but you can't beat COVID with 51% of the vote. And I think that's a great quote. The proof is in the pudding. He says Biden administration officials haven't done as good a job as they need to with other people out there. Adams says he offered his services to the White House, no interest, didn't get a call back, whatever. So how do you get the attention of these people? Well, you know, they throw out some names. Herschel Walker, former football star, who Trump is trying to get to run for the Senate in Georgia. He could prove a persuasive ambassador. Uh, Chris Christie has spoken out uh, a number of times, former New Jersey governor who got infected with the virus last year, was hospitalized, he had a pretty serious case. He's become kind of a vaccine evangelist, the Biden administration might, might join forces with Christie to showcase his approach. But as we all know, politicians, a lot of people just tune out politicians. They're not exactly the most trustworthy messengers. Uh, Frank Luntz, the longtime Republican pollster who has talked to the Biden White House about this, he's made no bones. He said it on my show. He'll work with anybody, Republican, Democratic, vegetarian, whatever, to try to get more people vaccinated. Um, he says that people want to hear from doctors and clergy, not politicians. Andy Slavitt, uh, who just quit recently as a senior advisor to the Biden pandemic team, uh, mentioned the TV ad campaign that the administration did back in March in which all of the living ex-presidents, except for Trump, urged people to get shots. Here's the quote from Slavitt. The ad moved absolutely nobody. The feedback was, sorry, George W. Bush or Barack Obama are not going to convince me to take the vaccine if I'm skeptical. It's my doctor, my pharmacist. So that was a bust. Um, Now, one option administration officials are privately discussing uh, is to require the over 2 million members of the federal workforce to get vaccinated. The president would have the power to do that. Private companies can do that 
as they choose uh, before allowing people, for example, to return to the office. Some are, many aren't. As Commander-in-Chief, Biden could order all 1.3 million members of the active-duty military to get injections. Here's H.R. McMaster, who was Trump's uh, National Security Advisor, retired Army General. We get shots for everything, he said. And the vaccine is far from experimental, like the botulism vaccine was prior to Desert Storm in 1991. So there would be a huge uproar if Biden did this. He doesn't seem to want to do it, but it is true. That's something that he can directly control. Um, the piece goes on to say that if Biden really wants to reach Trump loyalist, he should have, and I think the, the, bar, the horse has left the barn here on this, he should have spent more time crediting the Trump administration for developing Operation Warp Speed. Now, there's also the question of Donald Trump, who often says, with some justification, the media did not give him enough credit. In fact, said absolutely the idea that we would have a, a workable, approved vaccine by the end of 2020 was a fantasy. When Trump set that as a goal, it was sort of like his JFK moonshot. But it happened. Thanks to Pfizer, thanks to Moderna, thanks to Johnson & Johnson, it did happen. So, there's nothing stopping Donald Trump. He said it a couple of times, but he could send out messages every day. He could go on TV. He says, I am urging all of my followers, people who believe in me, to get the vaccine. And Biden could say, you know what? The Trump administration did a pretty good job on this. I disagree with Donald Trump on X, Y, and Z. Did a pretty good job. That would probably get through to Trump supporters better. Meanwhile, in the world of sports, and I have a hard time understanding this, um, yesterday, uh, the New York Yankees had to very quickly pull their players off the field, cancel batting practice, um, and they were going to play the Boston Red Sox. Boston's manager made a slashing motion, and no game last night. Major League Baseball had scheduled only one game yesterday, Yankees versus Red Sox. And then the coronavirus got in the way. MLB has now postponed the game because three Yankees pitchers, Nestor Cortez, Jonathan Loisiaga, and Wendy Peralta, each of whom is vaccinated, has tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, the general manager of the Yanks said three other players have tested positive through multiple rapid tests. Look, I, I know that the getting the vaccine is not 100% effective. It does prevent you from getting serious symptoms or having to be hospitalized in the 99-plus percent of cases. But you can still get it. But it is hard to understand since you can't play baseball. I mean, I thought you can't play baseball or football or basketball unless you're vaccinated. And this piece in the New York Times says the Yankees have reached the 85% vaccination rate required by MLB under relaxed COVID protocols. What? Talk about striking out. Why 85%? I mean, 85% is better than the rest of the country. Why not 100%? Why not, whether you're a player, a coach, a manager, a support staff, you can't participate in Major League Baseball unless you get the vaccine. That's a private business that has every ability to do that. Now, unfortunately, that's not 100% because obviously these three pitchers were vaccinated. Um, but I don't understand why it's not a 100% threshold. And I, I have a feeling, given what's going on now, that the Yankees are not going to be the last team to have this problem. So here we are in 2021 after the shortened season last year. Meanwhile, on a broader scope, um, Los Angeles County announcing yesterday that it is reviving the indoor mask mandate for everyone who lives in one of the most populated counties in the country. 
regardless of whether you've been vaccinated or you haven't been vaccinated, indoor mask mandate. Now, is that going to be widely? I mean, obviously, if you go to a store or a place of public commerce, this will now have to be enforced. Are people going to enforce it, you know, visiting other people in their houses? I don't think so, for at least for those who are vaccinated. Why did L.A. County do this? Because the coronavirus rate in the county has doubled since last June, since late June, excuse me. So that's just really about a two-week span. Average daily deaths had been about 300 through July. Now, seven consecutive days of more than 1,000 new infections. That meets their definition of substantial transmission. And basically they're saying, we're doing this now, we know it's not popular, to prevent it from getting worse. Masking indoors must again become a normal practice by all, regardless of vaccination status. This is controversial. A lot of people say government's going too far. It's an overreach. They don't need to do this. But that's why you have elected officials. And look, if it went from an average of 300 to an average of more than 1,000 new infections just in this one county, as big a county as it is, that's pretty concerning because what if it gets up to 200,000 infections a day, 300,000 infections a day? Um, this is why COVID is coming back. I mean, we all thought it was over. We were going out to ball games. We were going out to parties. We're taking vacations again. And that's all great. And if you're vaccinated, I'm not telling you not to do any of those things. But I, it comes down to, I think, if this, if half the people who haven't been vaccinated would get it tomorrow, I think the rates of new infections would plummet. But that's not going to happen overnight. Hey, I was on Fox News this morning talking about a new Gallup survey. And it's really troubling. Almost every institution, I think the military was one exception, uh, the rate of confidence, great confidence in the institutions is down. Uh, For the media, I mean, tell me about it. 16% in this Gallup survey say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in television news. 21% for newspapers. And as I said, that is the result of years of blatant bias, huge blunders, and self-inflicted wounds. But it's not just the media. It is um, government. It is um, doctors. It is the Supreme Court. It is Congress. It is the office of the president. And look, everybody in this polarized society is constantly under attack, especially on social media, whether it's Trump versus Biden, whether it's Biden versus Congress, whether it's doctors talking about COVID, whether it's doctors or politicians talking about vaccines, whether it's the fierce Supreme Court nomination fights, whether it's the growing partisanship of big tech, whether it's banks after the financial collapse, everybody gets tarred and feathered. So of course, um, Confidence is going down, and this Gallup poll sends that message in undeniable fashion. Just absolutely undeniable fashion. Like, nobody's popular anymore. There's no trust anymore. Uh, the, the example I used on television was if the airlines were constantly running ads attacking each other as unsafe, if Delta was saying, don't fly JetBlue, if United was saying, don't fly American, more people would be afraid to fly. And so a lot of people are complicit in this. It's not just that media people and political people and business people and tech people are constantly slamming and slamming each other. It's the apocalyptic rhetoric, okay? So Donald Trump says the election was stolen, it was rigged, uh, and a lot of Republicans believe Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. Democrats say that Trump's delusional, and the Republicans who believe this are delusional. And it's the GOP with its voting laws that poses an existential threat to democracy. So I've, I've touched on this before. It's something I believe in so deeply. 
vigorous debate, political debate, that's happened since the beginning of the Republic. But now, the other side is not just wrong, it's evil. You should hate them. They are out to get you. When you don't agree with certain media outlets, they're not just inaccurate, they're lying. They're deliberately lying to you. They're misleading to you. Um, and, of course, you have this incredible partisan split in this Gallup poll. Only 6% of Republicans and Republican leaners have high confidence, that is, a great deal or quite a lot, uh, confidence in the media, compared to 25% of Democrats and Democratic leaners. But even that's a pretty lousy number. 6%, you know, basically, they hate us. And I, I do think... It's the demonization that too many, because it's a way to get ratings and clicks and have your voice heard above the static. So again, that's been a growing trend for probably three decades. But now you're in a situation, and I think the election of 2020 and the intense battles today over whether or not that was a free and fair election, whether or not we have to crack down on voting fraud, whether there was widespread voting fraud, um, the continued efforts by Donald Trump, uh, to convince people that it was a horribly unfair election, um, the way in which he goes after any Republican who disagrees with him. And, you know, this is his strategy for 2022. But on the Democratic side, you know, rather than compromise on voting rights, rather than try to pass a big, sweeping, massive voting rights bill that also includes encouraging public financing and other sort of Democratic wish list ideas, they're just, you know what, the Republicans, uh, they want to keep you away from the polls. Uh, they want to steal the next election. So when you have both sides accusing the other of essentially either having stolen or want the last election or wanting to steal the next election, of course confidence is down. Of course everybody looks bad. And all the people who participate in this on social media, I love that they have a voice. But the, um, the virulence of the attacks where somebody who says something you don't agree with, they get the mob descends on them. All of that, and this Gallup poll is the latest evidence of it, contributes to an absolute decline in almost all American institutions. And that is not a healthy thing for our society. So I will try to continue to be a voice for vigorous debate and analysis, but without it being so personal, so visceral, and so um, uh, much attacking the other side as a bunch of evildoers who don't care about this country. Most Americans care about this country. Do some go too far? Yes. Uh, I think you get where I'm going. So at that point, I will stop and say that I hope you have a great weekend. Media Buzz Sunday morning. We'll hope we'll see you then. Uh, we hope you'll subscribe on all the places that you can get your podcast. Back here Monday with more Buzzbeat. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.